This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Republicans are still having trouble coming to grips with the presidential election. While the rest of the world is congratulating Joe Biden, the guys who run Florida government are in a state of denial. Governor Ron DeSantis, Senator Rick Scott, and Senator Marco Rubio, they're all encouraging Donald Trump to keep fighting in court. But Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist Eugene Robinson says no amount of recounts or lawsuits will change the electoral mathematics. Joe Biden won the election, and that is absolutely clear to everyone in the country, um, with the possible exception of President Trump and, and Rudy Giuliani. Robinson spoke during a virtual meeting of the Forum Club of the Palm Beaches. You'll hear his take on the election and the COVID crisis later in the podcast. Now, here's something completely different. Equal time for prayer. Now, the Forum Club began its meeting with a rabbi praying for peace and healing. May this be the beginning of a new time. May we find hope once again. May we find a common ground to bring our nation together. The opposing viewpoint comes from TV evangelist Kenneth Copeland. The media said Joe Biden's president. <laughs> and wait till you hear the rest of Copeland's performance. So yeah, there's a lot to be healed. After a six-hour delay, the state health department finally releases the latest casualty count of the COVID crisis, 58 new fatalities, almost 4,000 new cases, no explanation for the delay. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a couple of Florida men. One will make you proud, the other, not so much. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, November 10th. Happy birthday to the Marines and the Muppets. On this date in 1775, the Second Continental Congress passed a resolution creating the United States Marine Corps. And in 1968, Sesame Street aired for the very first time. The State Health Department reported 58 additional fatalities and 3,924 new cases of COVID-19 Monday. The death toll stands at 17,391, and there have now been almost 850,000 infections. That works out to one out of every 25 people in Florida. And prison inmates, they're paying a steep price. A new study from the University of Texas says if you look at the 10 states with the most people behind bars, Florida has the highest number of COVID infections. And if you rank all 50 states, only Michigan and Ohio have a higher death rate than Florida prisons. Almost 17,000 Florida inmates have been infected since the pandemic began. At least 180 deaths are blamed on COVID. 3,540 corrections workers have also tested positive for the virus. But there is some good news on the horizon. Joe Biden's transition team has announced the members of his COVID-19 task force. It's a who's who of former government health officials, academics, and medical experts. We also received word Monday from Pfizer, which says early results for its vaccine trial show it's 90% effective, and they're on track to apply later this month for emergency use approval from the Food and Drug Administration. While the rest of the world is acknowledging Joe Biden's win, the guys who run Florida government are still in a state of denial. Governor Ron DeSantis is calling on lawmakers in Michigan and Pennsylvania to ignore the popular vote and pick electors who will cast a ballot for Donald Trump when the Electoral College convenes next month. Senator Rick Scott issued a statement saying, This is a close race and Donald Trump will and should use every avenue at his disposal to make sure every legal vote is counted. Senator Marco Rubio also encouraged the president to file a legal challenge, and he says the media doesn't decide if claims of broken election laws and irregularities are true. Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who is one of the president's most fervent supporters, went on Fox News to say Donald Trump should not concede anything and that he'll still be the leader of the Republicans regardless of the outcome. 
we've got to remember Donald Trump has built a great Republican Party. It's a party that mm. is doing better with Hispanics and African Americans than it has in a generation. And Donald Trump now has an obligation to the party that he built to ensure that we expose and litigate every true example of fraud, because if we don't do that, we'll never win another election again. Democrats spent four years delegitimizing this president. They wouldn't go to his inauguration. Some wouldn't attend his State of the Union. And I thought that was classless. If this election doesn't go our way, we're not going to burn anything down. We're going to litigate before courts. And only when the courts have made a decision will we have a legitimate president. And I hope Republicans don't behave the way Democrats did these last four years. If it's not precisely what we would have sought, I think we've got to build on the great party that Donald Trump has created for us. And he remains the most powerful, most influential Republican in America. But Eugene Robinson says none of those lawsuits or recounts are going to tip the scales for Donald Trump. He's a Pulitzer Prize-winning editor for The Washington Post, whose column is syndicated to 262 newspapers and was the guest speaker at a virtual event hosted by the Forum of Palm Beach County. Joe Biden won the election, and that is absolutely clear to everyone in the country, um, with the possible exception of President Trump and, and Rudy Giuliani. They seem to think that there's still a fight to be waged. But the fact is that Biden's winning margins are simply much bigger than the kinds of margins that get overturned by recounts and, and much bigger than the kinds of margins that are even touched by the claims in the lawsuits that the president either has filed or is threatening to file. It looks like Biden's winning margin in Pennsylvania is going to end up north of 50,000 votes. Uh, in Wisconsin, it's about 20,000 votes. In Michigan, it's 130,000 votes. So that means actually that the Democratic blue wall in the, in the, in the Midwest was indeed reestablished. Um, it looks like Biden won Nevada by about 35,000 votes. He's leading uh, in Arizona, which is still counting, by about 18,000 votes. It's unclear which way that state is going to go, but I think Biden probably holds on. And his smallest margin is in Georgia, uh, where he's winning by 10,000 votes. Uh, there will likely be a recount in uh, in Georgia, and there um, will be one if the Trump campaign decides to pay for it in Wisconsin. They haven't written that check yet. But vote margins of 10,000 votes and 20,000 votes, as I said, just don't get overturned in recounts. They, it just doesn't happen. Recounts generally change vote totals by a few hundred this way, a few hundred that way. At most, they change totals by a few thousand, but they don't change vote totals by tens of thousands of votes in one direction. And they certainly don't do so simultaneously uh, in enough states for the president to overcome Joe Biden's electoral college advantage. Right now, if all counting stopped uh, this instant, um, it, it, it turns out that the electoral vote tally would be uh, exactly the same as it was in in 2016, except the opposite direction. It, uh, Biden would have 306 and, and uh, Trump would have 232. And of course, four years ago, 
Trump had 306 and Hillary Clinton had 232. Different combinations of states, but that's how it ended up. It gives you a sense of how divided the country is right now. Robinson says the COVID-19 crisis threw a monkey wrench into the presidential campaign, and Biden's first task will be charting a new path through the pandemic. While we're going through this political turmoil and trying to figure out how we think and how we line up, lots of stuff is happening that we really need our political system to be able to, to, to deal with. Number one, the coronavirus. I mean, I'm very, very happy about the announcement about the, the Pfizer vaccine proving more successful in the trial than anticipated and 90% effective. That's wonderful news. It means, um, you know, all all politics is local. And what that means is that I might get to see my grandchildren uh, who live in Berkeley. Um, and um, it, 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 I'm hopeful that at some point in the not too distant future, it will be possible to, to to travel again the way we used to and to and and for our family families to travel and to gather um, the way we um, the way we used to. I'm hopeful on that. But to get to this point, we've really gone through um, a, a terrible trial. I mean, we've really, you know, we've had um, nearly a quarter million deaths. Um, we have new cases now hitting all-time highs. We have more cases and more deaths than any country in the world. Uh, and hospitalizations right now are climbing rapidly to a new peak. And every epidemiologist I know is is deeply concerned uh, because. More hospitalizations just automatically means you're going to start seeing more deaths, um, maybe at a rate we haven't yet even imagined. And and you have to ask yourself, how can the United States of America not have done better? How can we not agree on basic, simple public health practices? Um, uh, wearing masks, social distancing, not gathering in groups indoors where we can spread this air easily, this easily transmissible airborne virus. Yet those have become a political dividing line and people die, die needlessly. And this isn't all on President Trump. I think this is on us. I think we need to do better. You know, we the people need to do better. With all due respects to Mr. Robinson, I have to say the highlight of this forum meeting was the prayer for healing offered by Rabbi Howard Shapiro. It was spot on. We pray, O oh God, to be whole once again. We pray for healing. It has been a difficult se season. We have lived with a pandemic that brings us tragedy and loss. We pray for wisdom to bear the burden that we have been given. We pray for the scientists, and we pray for all those who work to cure our pain. And we pray once again for healing. It has been a difficult season. We have lived with a political process that has sown anger and division. We have lived with bitterness and a tear in the fabric of our society. May this be the beginning of a new time. May we find hope once again. May we find a common ground to bring our nation together. And once again, we pray for healing. The shortest prayer in the Bible is uttered by Moses when he prays for his sister Miriam, who had hurt and wounded him with their words. 
In Hebrew, that prayer sounds like this, El Na'arafanala. So for our country, for our leaders, for each of us, I say with Moses, Hail not, O God, heal us now. Amen. But even in the clergy, there is division. Here's what TV evangelist Kenneth Copeland had to say about the prospect of President Joe Biden. The media said what? <laughs> the media said Joe Biden's president. Ha 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 